Somewhere in my memory. That's the home alone one. Holy smokes. Okay. Since we're doing movies, ready? Uh-huh. What is that? Mm-hmm. Josh Groban's about to start singing. <laughs> To the soundtrack of Polar Express. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. Oh, okay. Um, oh, I just had one in my head. Well, okay, here we can go. Um, Hark the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king. Go tell it on a mountain. Over the hills and everywhere. We need to write a medley where one word goes into the next song. That would be cool. I love a good Christmas medley. I, I do too. I think it's my background in like choral, like, you know, doing. Have you heard the one? It was famous. It gets at radio airtime. Um, it's like the men's choir where they go, it's 12 days of Christmas to Rudolph the Red Nose. It's incredible. Oh, yeah. It's all of them? Yeah. yeah I wow. Heard it. My, I think one of my favorite things was picking out Christmas songs for like choir concerts and mm. stuff like that. Of being a teacher? Yeah, of being a teacher. One Of being a choir teacher. Mm. And you have to start working on it like, you know, we always start working on We had our first concert of the year in like October. And then you start working on Christmas music, basically. And I'd imagine you kind of have to select that based on what you perceive as the talent of the collective group. Yeah, certainly. And that changes from year to year. It does, yeah. Like you really needed a soprano if you're going to do A Holy Night. Yeah. That can lead. Yeah, you do. So, yeah, well, you need a soprano in general because... They will go rogue. Yeah. Well, Taylor, welcome to another edition of It Was Either This Or. Yeah. It's the third week of Advent, and all of us are here. Yeah. We're here celebrating joy. Celebrating joy. That's such a fun. Yeah. You got the joy this week? I got the joy, joy, joy down in my heart. Remember that song? Yeah, of course. All right. I I don't know, because sometimes I can't tell if it's from my charismatic background or if it's from... Yeah. There's one song from my childhood... That it's like, I do think we only learned it at our church. And it's really bad, too. Mm, is it the Pass the Ammunition Machine Gun song? No, that was everybody. The Christian Soldier Army. Well, that's Army. a different song. Oh, okay. No, we had I one, still like that song. It was like very them. prosperity gospel. Oh, well, I like those two. <laughs> it's like, apple red happiness. Something cheerful. Something cheerfulness. Give to God and God will give to you. Cinnamon singing inside. Peppermint energy gumdrop holidays when you give Christ your life. The benefits of God's great love are super satisfying. Throw away your sin, let the sun shine in, try it, and you'll see how you get apple red happiness, gumdrop cheerfulness, something else. So what's your criticism of that? Because it's not saying you get like rich, it's that you get an abundance of God's love. I think we could. Is it the cause some effect? Of the, some of the imagery, yeah, the cause effect. And okay. also like, throw away your sin, let the sun shine in, try it, and you'll see how you get... It's sort of like, um, look, just toss it aside, and then God comes in your life, and then you're happy forever, and nothing bad ever happens. Can I tell you something? Yeah. Speaking of being a teacher? Sure. Sorry, that's a change of subject. No. Thank you for that special on the, um, what do you call that? Prosperity Gospel Children's Song. Go with gumdrops. I'll um, I'll look that one up. I, I think we only sang it at my church. Well, somebody wrote it for your church. 
I guess that's true. I was a substitute teacher for a music teacher because um, it was one of my first years seminary, and one of my seminary friends' wife was a music teacher, and so I was on the list, and she would you could pick, so she would pick me. And so they got to know me, and I had a rule. When I was a substitute teacher, the only way you could talk is if you talked in a singing voice. So like, hey, Mr. Teacher, I have a question for you. I bet they loved that. Well, you'd think, but the fifth graders, they were in, they oh, were being cool by then. They were really cool. They did not like me. Fifth graders, I think we talked about this, but it's like that fifth grade, sixth grade range. Mm-hmm. It's like um, children do get very confident. Yeah. When they're in the same school for a long time. So kindergarten to fifth grade is a long time. And they do think they're really cool by the time they get to They are cool. They are cool. Yeah. And they believe that. And yeah. you know what? That's good. Yeah. Hey, um, I finished The Queen's Gambit. I didn't even know you were watching it. Yeah. Well, it didn't take long. That's true. It was been about two weeks. Did you watch it? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Phenomenal. We watched it in like a weekend. Yeah. Um, it is so good. It's so good. And whatever her name is, Anya... She's the, the the actress? Yeah. Dynamite. She's so great. And she was in Emma earlier this year. It is truly the last movie I saw in the theater before COVID. Is that um Jane Austen's Emma? Mm-hmm. There was a remake? There was. With Since Gwyneth Paltrow did it? Uh-huh. I yeah. didn't know that. It was released in the spring. And it's also, you know, Clueless is based on Emma. Yeah, you know, I didn't know that till years later. But Clueless is like my one of my number one like childhood favorite movies. I had Alicia Silverstone poster when I was a kid. Of course. And she, it just was like, I really could feel the beats of Clueless. I mean, like, of Emma and Clueless. Yeah. It just is so good, and she's so talented, and something about her I feel like should be intimidating, but instead is endearing, and I think it's because she's a really good Emma? actress. Emma? Or that actress? Yeah, Anya. Who does she girl. play in the... She plays Emma. I'll tell you something else. Um, I, that book by Jane Austen is uh-huh. about, you know, part of its classism. Right. Which may not even been a like, conscious thing. It might just been the world she lived in. Right. But I liked it because the um, the pastor wasn't like super prominent, but it had yeah. some prominence. Yeah. And uh, yeah. there you go. Yeah. So I thought the Queen's Game was really good. Mm, I loved it. I think it's kind of there's a is a tide of um, female heroines in literature and film right now that's really good. Yeah. Yeah. We saw someone make a critique of the show that actually was like. It really felt like, did you watch the whole show? Because they were complaining about how the only reason... They, well, I don't want to give it away for you who haven't watched it yet. Cause it's no, I saw the whole thing. Like, where no, at the no. end she calls her friends back in New York to get help? Yeah, but there might be people who are listening who haven't watched it yet. So I don't Oh. Know. Well, um, I don't think that gives anything away. Well, the critique was like that it's... Oh, has, I see your critique. Yeah, yeah. The critique was longer, so... Well, I'm it, very curious now. Yeah. Because I'm ready to defend that it's good feminine film i think so too i was too me and kathleen complained to each other about this critique yesterday i think some people are just going to critique anything you put out there i'll be honest i think that's true today this man was complaining about texas on facebook and i told him he was talking about how texas is so annoying because they're always saying things like don't mess with texas Mm -hmm. and uh, my favorite thing to say when people say that is like that's an anti-littering campaign slogan Mm. and then he was like no it's not no that's true that's the origin (laughs) i know and he just wanted to be a hater. Yeah. So I let him. Hey, since we're on the subject of feminism, one of the things I want to talk about, unpack the Jill Biden doctor thing for me. What happened? Okay. So the man, the guy, his name is Joseph Epstein, and he wrote... Any relation to Jeffrey? I don't think so. Okay. 
Unlikely. Unlikely, because I think that would be mentioned. Yeah, that's true. I mean? People would be talking about that. He wrote um, just like an op-ed. It's like a paragraph, and he put it in the um, Wall Street Journal. Okay. And it said it was talking about how she should, like, she's being pretentious going by Dr. Jill Biden because it. Well, first of all, he started it. He was like, "Hey there, Jill, uh, kiddo." Literally, he wrote "kiddo" in this piece. And um, he was like, really, a great man once said, you're only a doctor if you've, once you've delivered a baby. Um, and he was just essentially making the argument that like she should stop going by doctor because it's pretentious and her doctor is an, ed, an ED. An ed I was going to ask doctorate. that. So she's a doctor of higher education. Yeah, a doctor of education. So she's like a professor. She is. Um. Well, here's, let me say this. I'm a little surprised at this point that the Times is publishing op-eds like this. The Wall Street Journal. Or Wall Street, oh. Well, that, right. Okay, never mind. But also, the, <laughs> that was a lot of the feedback. I saw a tweet today that said, any, oh, Kathleen posted it, any job opportunity, any anything, you should go for it because that man got to publish YouTube comments in the Wall Street Journal. Yeah. So you should go for it because people are out here doing anything. Huh. Yeah, well, that's just kind of dumb. Yeah, it was. So he just was like, and he thought it was a really good point. Well, now I know. Yeah. Um, Well, thanks for clearing that up. Good news. I don't know if I mentioned this last week or not. I've I've located West Wing DVDs. Oh. So I I think I watched episode 15 or 16 of season two today. Okay. And then I'm going to go ahead and secure the DVDs for seasons three through seven. Gosh, that's so exciting. Also, um... For those of you who have not secured DVDs, The West Wing is moving to HBO Max, so you could watch it there. Yeah, which you said that Bree said they now have a deal HBO does with Firestick or whoever's on my Amazon TV. Uh-huh. So I could get the app and get in. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I have a Firestick too, and HBO Max is on there. Okay. I find it to be a slow app, but it's fine. I mean, it works, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you had something you wanted to ask me about. I did. I did, Josh. Uh, yesterday, what? I found a tweet. I saw it on your tweets today. <laughs> yeah. And it says, uh, it's talking about a, an apparent Wisconsin um, tradition. Okay. And so it was from, like, the health department of Wisconsin. And it said, for many hashtag Wisconsin families, raw meat sandwiches are a holiday tradition. But eating raw meat is never recommended because of the bacteria it can contain. And I was at my house, and I read that to Kathleen, and she said, okay, you need to call Josh Carney right now. He calls us all the time asking us questions. (laughs) Random questions. (laughs) And so you need to call him. And I called you, and I asked you if you had any knowledge of this. And then I said, can you please also ask Lindsay because... She was sitting next to me. I wanted to get as much information as possible about the raw meat sandwiches. So, Joshua, once and for all, can you share with our listeners, is that a Wisconsin tradition? Well, allegedly. And so, Lindsay could I, Lindsay knew what it was. She had memories of her parents being at parties or something where this was a thing. So, it's ground ham- hamburger meat yeah. eaten with, like, onions on something. Onions. And it's called a wildcat. Yeah. And or, or, I like this up, it's a wildcat or a cannibal sandwich. Yeah, that's just not right. It's not great. I never counted this. I should say... 
So we lived in Wisconsin. We moved there when I was four. Okay. And we lived there till I guess I left when I was 18. My parents lived there for 28 years. Mm-hmm. Maybe more, 32. I can't remember. Anyhow. Um, so you, wait, you were four. So your older siblings were... Not raised in, like my oldest sister was only in high school for four years in Wisconsin and she was gone. And she went to college there for two years, but then transferred. And she doesn't really have a strong Wisconsin tie. My older brother did a little bit of middle school, I guess, in four years. He too could really care less about Wisconsin. He likes the Milwaukee Brewers still because he went to school at Marquette in Milwaukee. Oh, okay. Go Golden Eagles. Um, and then my sister, Noelle, is more in love with Minnesota, but she at least connected to where we grew up in the land. Yeah. I am the only one, and probably my family, actually, that has any kind of deep Wisconsin identity. We're all yeah. Packer fans. But, right. Um, but I think beyond that, when, especially culturally, like when it comes to food and stuff, we're mm-hmm. more deeply actually Missouri, Missouri. Right. Because that's where... That's everybody's St. Louis. We talk about gooey butter cakes. We talk about the Spaghetti Factory there. All these other things that are... Spaghetti Factory. I know, which I have come to realize is a chain that you can go to all over. But it it wasn't always, though. It wasn't always. It felt really special when we were growing up. And, you know, uh, Mall's Barbecue Sauce is another one. So those deeper things, like, you know, beer and brats, it's not like a family icon for us. So I... Lindsay's family, though, I'd say is more thoroughgoing Wisconsin, both... Okay. Um, in terms of a, adapting culture, but also generations being there. Okay. So, but yeah, raw hamburger sandwich, no thank you. I looked it up, I and um, it's like some restaurant. Apparently, it's more southern Wisconsin that is into the sandwiches, the raw meat sandwiches. I found an article called Cannibal Sandwiches, a Polarizing and Misunderstood Wisconsin Tradition. Yeah, well, like, that's the picture. Yeah, I just I couldn't do it. I don't think I could eat raw meat. I don't think I could actually would mind the taste. That's not my objection. Like you think about like some people are like really raw steak. Yeah. And what's that that's other true. than raw steak with a few additives? But yeah. the problem is with like you sear the outside of a steak to get right. rid of that bacteria, right. and then presumably the interior of the steak has been untouched by the elements. Yeah. Ground hamburger has been like exposed in every possible way to right. things that could go wrong. Yeah. So this says there is a. A restaurant in Milwaukee called Bunzels, and they go through over 1,000 on, during the holiday season alone. They go through over 1,000 pounds of raw beef and 250 pounds of onions for the sandwich. Raw onions. Wow. I wonder if we could get Bunzels on the phone. <gasps> yeah. Wow. My gosh. But so apparently, the southeastern Wisconsin is the main area. Southeastern Wisconsin. That would make sense. We were in the north. Okay. 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 Um, Taylor, thanks for that bit. Yeah. Um, did you know, I know you know, but okay. I want to talk about this. Okay. That Mario Lopez <laughs> oh, yeah. is in a Lifetime movie oh. as Colonel Sanders. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did know. It's kind of like, for me, the Hamilton musical thing. Like, you just have these odd combination things I wouldn't suspect. <laughs> it is deeply upsetting. Is it a Christmas you movie? you just compared... Hamilton to this lifetime movie about girls. How many times do I have to make this point? It's not. I'm just saying it's like the marrying of unsuspecting things that I don't get the connection with. Okay. First of all, why is Lifetime movie doing a, a movie about Colonel Sanders? Well, I would imagine that a lot of money has exchanged hands, and that KFC thought this would be a good way to spend some advertising dollars. Well, okay, but then. Um, 
I can't. Yeah. Then Mario Lopez is like, mm, great career move. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I have a lot of questions about Mario Lopez and how to like, uh, how he's making his choices. Also, the picture. Have you seen the picture? It's upsetting. Because he's dressed like Colonel Sanders. Right. No, I did see the picture. Jamie, Brother Jameson, actually sent Jamie. us a, um, of a meme or just a picture without explanation. <laughs> and I called you and said, do you know what I'm supposed to do in response to this? Because I didn't know about the movie at that point. I'm just like, oh, I think that's Mario Lopez. <laughs> aged prematurely. Dressed as a, a antebellum southern gentleman. It's so strange. It is so strange. Mario Lopez, KFC. That was the second thing that popped up. Also, it's like he still doesn't quite look that old. Oh, he's so good looking still. Like, um, he hosted the, we got like a Verizon, we had to stream the Macy's Day Parade because we couldn't get NBC in on our TV. Mm -hmm. And he was like the host they had for it. Yeah. And he's very saucy still. Oh, yeah. But this is like him with, you know, gray in his hair, gray in his beard. Yeah, that's all fake. Definitely, you can, can tell. You can tell that it's fake. Yeah, and it's like. Well, it's lifetime can, movie he quality. He looks like. I'm trying to think. I guess he's not that much older than me. Like when they were doing Saved by the Bell, I was like five or six, and he was like. 20. So he's what? He's like 15 years older than me, I guess. So he's almost 50 years old though. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, and he still looks like he's, he's got looking. the body of a 30 year old. He's good looking. I hate yeah. people like that. Do you? No, I just was trying to. Be... <laughs> okay. Here's the next thing. Okay. Um, the NBA yeah. preseason game kicked off, yeah. which I don't think we need to spend too much on. We knew the Bucks and the Mavs were playing. The Mavs they won. They did. Luka played 16 minutes, scored 13 points. Giannis played mm-hmm. 25 minutes, had 25 points, mm-hmm. 10 rebounds. I speculated that they played our starters longer because they were trying to gel the, the acquisition of Drew Holiday. Yeah, we talked about that and how the Mavs aren't really adding any big pieces. They're adding like supporting cast members. So... Um, we got and we have a lot of returning people. I thought a lot of people did really well too. So yeah, I tell you what, I I made the prediction the other day, and I'm gonna say it again. I said last year the Mavs would be a seven seed in the playoffs. They were. I'm gonna say they're a four seed this year. That's crazy. They could sneak into a three seed, but I think they're gonna be a four seed. I think you have That's Lakers, crazy. Clips. You probably have the Nuggets again. Yeah. Nuggets might be two this year. I think the, the Clips nuggets. are gonna. Okay. Yeah. Um. This week, since we're on the uh, topic, okay. ESPN released the last of their top 10. You know how they rank everybody uh-huh. in the NBA? Uh-huh. Which there was a lot of anger about this this year. But I, we, I, I just want to focus on the top 10. First of all, I'll tell you one name I just saw. He's not in the top 10. Number 11, though, was Jason Tatum from Boston. Hmm. He's just one of these like players I don't think I understand. Yeah. Which would be similar to Kwai. I didn't understand Kwai at the beginning of his career when people were so excited about him. I'm like, he's a defender. I know defenders are really valuable. He scores about 20 points a game. Kawhi is so funny to me, but yes. But it's the same thing. I just like, if I look at the box score, Jason Tatum never blows my mind. And he's like, we talked about the Celtics. They're a well-rounded team with five good players, kind of like that 0-4 Pistons team. Yeah. And he's the clear leader of them, but. Who was it that we were talking about recently? Oh, Gordon. Yeah, Hayward. Yeah. Well, he's less than... Yeah, I don't. I really don't get Gordon. Okay, first let me give you the list. Have, have you seen the list yet? I haven't. Okay, so 10 is Jokic. Jokic? Oh, okay. Jokic. Um, nine is Harden, who still wants to trade 
from Houston I saw on the yeah. news this morning. Yeah. Eight is Steph Curry slid a bunch, which is understandable. Injured. Well, I, I, by the way, don't have a problem with people get injured if you slide them. That's fine. It doesn't mean they're bad. It just means they haven't done anything last year. Right. Which, but hold on here. Um, Damian Lillard's number seven. I'm there. Number yeah. six is Durant. Why is Durant higher than Steph? Or, you know what I mean? I do know what you mean, but I do think Kevin Durant is more of an all-around player yeah. than Steph is. And I also think people... I, here's the thing about Kevin Durant. Uh, it's not that I think he's like mentally unstable or anything, but I do think when it comes to basketball, his like mental fitness is not always great. I think he really can let a game get in his head. Well, this will be a really interesting year because I feel the same way about Kyrie Irving. Neither one of them can be in an emotional leader when pressed. I agree. I agree about Kyrie Irving as well. But I think that like, um, but I think that Kevin Durant. If he could get someone in there to help him, like, really find the mental strength to, like, be a, a team leader, his, I think he is one of, I mean, it's like, I think he's up there in the GOAT conversation. I think it's really just his, like, um, he's not a good defender, though. Mental stance on the, but I think he, yeah. He has to develop. If he, I mean, he'll be in the top 10 of all time, I think. Yeah. I really think that. Yeah. Because he's maybe the best NBA offensive player we've ever seen. Yeah. But he is, to me, still really one-dimensional. Well, but I feel like his defense for being, like, such a good offensive player is, like, it's not horrible. No. Yeah. I mean, he's, yeah. So. I agree. So I think that's why he gets the boost, though. Well, and he'll, I mean, he'll be, if he has another Kevin Durant year, he'll be number three, number four next year. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. Five is Leonard. Okay. Four, Taylor. You're just going to love this. I'm so nervous. Luca. Dante. Oh, I shouldn't have been nervous. I should have been excited. Yeah. Luca. Oh my gosh. I just love him. I also this week he was there was a picture that went around of him. I saw it. Carrying Dirk's like that head around, and I was like, oh my gosh, could I love anything? That's more? just being a smart PR person. <laughs> okay, yeah. number three yeah. is Giannis, which by the way, this is like somebody created a uh, like an Excel chart for this okay. article, and they didn't even bother to put his last name because it would have made it too big. So it's just Giannis. Giannis. Number three. Now, here's probably my most contentious point. Okay. Okay, number one's LeBron. Okay. Number two is Anthony Davis. Anthony yeah. Davis is very good. Yeah. Anthony Davis, we had six or seven years to see him when he doesn't have LeBron, and he's not the number two player in the NBA. I know. Not even close. That just is, frustrates me. Well, but, you know... He was with the Pelicans all those years. Yeah. I mean, you know, the Pelicans are... There's like and he had said. some years where he, he played Drew Holiday. He played with Marcus Cousins. It's not like he didn't have a good cast. Yeah, that's true. I mean, he's a top scorer. He's a really good defender. But I don't think he's the number two player in the NBA. I do think it has been surprising to me this past year, like while he's at the Lakers with LeBron, with um, this past just one year, um, to see people sort of all of a sudden being like, wow, Anthony Davis is like top level because it's just like people were not saying that i mean people weren't saying he wasn't top tier or whatever but like that he was like up in there and like the one two three conversation he wasn't there before so i don't know but i i like to watch anthony davis play basketball i think he does um a great job i think he is very intelligent on the court um his level of talent obviously is very high but I do, yeah, I get the criticism. And it's so strange just to see someone shoot into, like, the conversation just because all of a sudden they have yeah. a ring. You know what I mean? Well, and um, here's my one object. So I said Tatum was 11. 12 is Jimmy Butler. 
Okay. I'll oh. take. Uh, I'll I take. I love Jimmy Butler. I'll take Butler over Harden. Uh huh. I'll take Butler over. Why would you take Butler over Harden? I don't. I don't think Harden's good. Like, is that a, an age thing, or is like always you thought that? Oh, always. I really liked Harden when he played for OKC, but ever since I mean, some of this is my he was Houston. a three though when he played in OKC. Yeah, some of this is my Houston like hatred of Houston that it's hard for me to root for anybody who's. I actually, it's the same reason I don't actually think that Westbrook is great. I loved it that when they're on the same team because yeah. one of their games was going to suffer, and I knew it because they're of, both like take eighty-five shots a game and shoot thirty-nine percent from the field, yeah. and then be a scoring champion, and your team is going to finish fourth or fifth in the conference every year. You know, I used to hate Westbrook. And then when Durant left... Yeah, no, I love that he stayed. All of a sudden, I really loved Westbrook. And I don't hate any of these people. I just don't respect their game. Well, I don't hate them as humans. But, like, I used to hate watching them play basketball. Like, to me, Harden is the antithesis of LeBron James. Yeah. Oh, that's so true, I think. Yeah. Even, like, even Durant, who is one-dimensional, like we said, is at least really good at the thing he does. I don't understand... Kevin Durant is an anomaly to me. And not in that, like, I mean, obviously, I think he's incredibly talented. But it's like, I'm just always trying to figure out what he's about to do and where he's about to go. And is he about to tweet crazy things at someone from an anonymous Twitter account? And I had a friend who was his RA in college. Uh And he said he would... that Occasionally, he would look up and Kevin Durant would just be standing completely naked in his doorway and be like, what's up? Mm. And so I just don't, <laughs> I just don't, I have so many questions, I guess, is what I'm saying about Kevin Durant. Well, we'll see what he does this year. I mean, it's, it's sometimes it's hard. very well. I, oh, hope. I hope he does great, yeah. except for when they play the Bucks, Right. Because now they're favored in the East. Okay, I'm going to give a call to the uh, Wenzel's restaurant, okay? I think it was Bunzel's. Bunzel's? Yeah. Oh, good thing I didn't get through to spell Bunzel's once. Uh, B U N oh wait I moved away from it. B U N Z E L. You're calling Bunzels? Yeah, let's see if we can get him on the phone to talk about the Wildcat. Okay. Bunzels, Milwaukee. Uh-huh. I'm not. My internet's bad here. I'm not. You got a number for me? No, I do not. Why is it? Well, of course, we're live on the air, and it's yeah. Internet's not working. Bunzels, Milwaukee. Well, while I wait for that to load, let's keep going through my list here. Okay. Yeah, here we go. Bunzel's Meat Market. Okay, ready? Should I try calling or do you have it? No, I don't have it. Okay, I'll call. Are you okay? 414, is that a good number? Yeah, that's Milwaukee. Thank you for calling Bunzel's. If you know your party's three digit extension, please (gasps) dial it now. My gosh. Or press one for the lunch menu, press two to hear our normal store hours, press three to speak to an employee. Press four to hear our holiday hours. Don't tell them they're in a podcast. Don't Please wait no. a moment. Would you want to hold it? If you wanted to. If, yeah, I don't know what you want to ask them. Thank right. you for calling Bunzel's. Help me help you. Uh, yes, ma'am. Say, I was reading up about this Wildcat sandwich. You got one of those there? A Wildcat sandwich? Yeah, they say it's the raw meat, like the raw hamburger at the pickles. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, we call it um, cannibal sandwich. Oh, you do call it the cannibal sandwich. Yeah, ground sirloin, sure. Can you tell me how that's prepared? Like, how do y'all work work out the bacteria? Or do you just kind of risk it? Well, we grind it as, you know, fresh. Okay. Um, Yeah, did you, yeah, where the Department of Health Services or whoever said that. 
Okay. So there is some forethought, too, about how the sandwich is prepared in terms of health and safety. Well, yeah. I mean, one, I mean, we, you know, we all wear gloves whenever we're dealing with the meat, and it's packaged, you know, in freezer paper. The the best thing to tell you is, you know, buy it as, you know, as close to possible as when you're serving it. Okay. Or stick it in the freezer when you get home, and then, you know, thaw it out before you serve it. And then once you've, um, you know, make sure you have something where people can scoop some onto a piece of bread so they're not touching the meat. Okay. You know, everybody with their little fingers. So and now what's, one, what sort of bread do you serve that on? On cocktail rye, and we sell the little rye breads that are little, you know, come their square little pieces, which is perfect for you know, a nice little dollop of the meat. And then a lot of people put um, a few um, onions, you know, sliced onions. Oh, yeah. On top and then a little salt and pepper. Most people just put pepper and then a little of the onions. Do you re- recommend the red onions or what? We use, um, we use the, I think we use yellow onions or white onions. Okay. What was your first name? Julie. Julie, you've been super helpful. I hope to get up to... To Milwaukee I've and try that. Sick. I've been eating it since I was a kid. So. Okay. Well, I think with the precautions you suggested, I'm, yeah, I might. Yeah. 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 Just you know, with any type of food that you're putting out for people to, you know, eat, just you know, have a little serving thing. Don't let people lick the the, the serving thing. You know, little palms for the onions so they're not using their fingers. Um, okay. Very. And whatever's left over, just throw it right in the trash. Okay. You know, you don't want to. Don't want to save that for a burger the next day? Yeah. Yeah. All exactly. right. Well, Julie, thanks so much. I, I want to get up to Milwaukee and try one soon here. So. Oh, absolutely. Okay. All right. Good. Talk to you later, Julie. Um, well, there you have it. That's how you get your answer. You just call Wunzels right in yeah. Punzels right in right in Milwaukee. That was uh, listening to you talk to Julie was an interesting um, accent. Well, I can't help it. it. There's two things at play. When I go to Wisconsin, the accent is like it's drawn back out of me. The other thing is you had a a question today on your tweets of the week, where it's like, what bit does your spouse do that hates? And I couldn't think of anything. Well, no, that would be an answer. Lindsay hates it when I call people because I slip into characters all the time. And she is like, She cannot oh. be in the room. I had some hysterical answers to that question. Well, um, are you going to post them? Yeah, I want to. My, one of my friends told me that um, when she goes places, her and her roommate uh, live together, and she said when they go to the store and her roommate would be like, hey, do you, you know, what should we do about the onions or do you want a soda or something like that? That she will look at her and be like, ma'am, I don't know you. Stop following me around the store. And then she gets really embarrassed. That's funny. And Megan Glover said when Brandon burps, she says, uh, oh, man, what do you say when someone burps? Excuse me? Excuse you? Or you're... If you're trying to elicit the response you want from them, or what should they say? What are you, what are you supposed to... Like, you say... You say excuse me when you burp. Excuse me. Pardon me? Um, hold on, let me go see what she said. Um, she says, oh yes. <gasps> My friend Amy just posted so many responses. When Brandon burps, I say bless you instead of excuse you. Oh, and that's a, he doesn't like that? He doesn't like it. Oh, I think that's funny. 
Um, and two five four cookie hustle sponsor right there. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Which you gave her a shout out from the sermon Sunday. From the yeah, from the front. I know. From Those cocoa bombs. I'm not joking. They You're were not. so good. Okay. Um and. It all came because I have a couple of friends that anytime we hang out, they're like people I've known my entire life. And anytime we hang out, they have adopted this bit where at some point, you know, they do this sort of like vaudevillian, like they'll be like, oh, it's getting hot in here. And it just, I don't, I'm always like, stop. Which is like, that's also part of the bit at some point is like there's a a third party who's like, can't hang, quit it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the SNL skit that doesn't work till it starts working. Uh huh. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, it'll be interesting exercise for me when I listen back to see if I get the just uh, painful that thing that Lindsay can't stand, or if I love it because it is painful. Because right. that's usually what happens. It's I, the I worst think it the is. Accents are funny. You also slip into southern accents sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> when you're on the phone with people who are very southern. Okay. Um, two more things. Okay. Number one, this is uh, this is like a serious learning moment. Okay. So I preached my sermon yesterday, mm-hmm. and I got home and I thought, well, that was decent. You know, I didn't. Didn't mess anything up considering the content there, which was uh, Bathsheba, so it was particularly, mm-hmm. you know. Um, right. And I went to my sister's house, uh-huh. and Brother Kareem was there because he worships with them in the flesh on Sunday morning. I love that. And um, we were talking, and I was there, and they're like, um, she's like, um, you can't say sissy. Oh. And then Kareem's like, oh, yeah. And he gave me his, mm, you know, his uh-huh. eyes where he's okay. like, you can't say sissy. And like, what's wrong with sissy? And so we had a very interesting discussion. Uh, do you remember me saying this in the sermon? I don't. Do so I was quick. I was talking about a list, my top 1,000 things list. Uh-huh. And Christmas was in the five spot, which was the point. So I could get to Christmas music and right. talk about baby, it's cold outside. And um, I had said, noting the other things around it, like Mountain Dew and Lake mm-hmm. Superior and all the things I love, that I said, this isn't a list for sissies. Uh-huh. And um, they both gave me kind of a stern rebuke and said, that is not okay to say. Yeah. Uh, Kareem did note that since I wasn't calling someone a sissy, it was better. That it was, yeah. But I think it's the same thing as like, have you heard Brene Brown and Dax debate the use of um, male versus female genitalia, and which is okay to use and not? Like you can call a, ma- a person a, a dick, but you can't call a person a, what am I going to say? I, Yeah. I, I suspect that it lives in that thing because sissy is a diminutive form of a right. weak girl, right? Is that what that is? Um, yeah, I think it might have. Well, I don't want to speculate, but um, I think there's also implications for uh, like boys who were called sissies growing up. Yeah. Um, like I think there might be implications with um, within like. Uh, sort of straight oppression of LGBTQ community. Yeah, that's members. also what they said. Yeah. Which I guess, I mean, if you had pressed me, I would have. I didn't, I guess I didn't know that that particular phrase was aimed particularly at the LGBTQ community. Yeah, I think there are a lot of men who grew up. It's like that Dan Levy, like his mom tweet, tweeting about yeah. like him liking to twirl and being worried that the world would oppress him. Like, I think a lot of, which I think. Obviously, I'm very pro-masculinity, but toxic masculinity is bad, and I think a lot of toxic masculinity is centered on, like, boys uh, performing, you know, sort of quote-unquote, air quote, like, girly things, and Mm -hmm. how that's, like, somehow it's bad for some reason, even though it's, like, 
all people should really be encouraged to pursue any like the things that make them happy and bring them joy and stuff like that so well lesson learned i'm not going to use it in a sermon ever again um i think I, but i think there's right now i think we're culturally experiencing a lot experiencing a lot of moments like that uh, yeah i mean i think the probably learning moment is i guess i maybe should give a second not that I use the word sissy very often, but like even using it casually in friends where I think that'll be accepted. Yeah. So, you know, one of those things that has really recently lately, I found myself, um, uh, being like shocked about is the use of the word tribe. Like when people say my tribe or whatever, especially like white ladies, I'm like, Ooh, that is not a word. Hmm. You know, I feel like I kind of watched the evolution of that word in popular vernacular uh-huh. in the last two years, three uh-huh. years maybe. Yeah. And um, I, I don't, I'm sure he got it from somewhere, but I know, I remember the first person that was using it. It was Rob Bell. Oh. And I don't. It's not like he has a massive reach culturally, but he's sure. he's in a lot of oh. former evangelical homes. Yeah. And definitely. he would use that word consistently. Yes, and it is just a word that I think it's like one of those things that just like does not belong to white people. Do you know what I mean? Well, I wonder too, though, because um, a a kind of useful sociological description for a problem in the country is tribalism, right? Which is something much different. Right. But I wonder if it's thought of originally as a derivative of that sort of a thing. Right. Yeah. That, I think that makes sense. And I do think it's one of those things that I about eighteen months ago I got in a situation where I said to somebody. We were at Mikasa, I think, and I said, like, oh, that's like a, you know, sort of bottom of the totem pole type thing. And then immediately I said, are we allowed to say that anymore? Mm, like, yeah. And somebody was like, no. Well, and, here's a question for you. Okay. Because, I mean, essentially all of our language is Greco-Roman in origin, Germanic, right? Yeah, we're Germanic. Right, yeah. And, um, of course, those historically are three power-playing societies, mm-hmm. but... Now, our relationship to them is one such that they could be considered minorities to us in the U.S. Sure. Uh, if not in terms of the ethnicity of their, of themselves, of their cultural ca- cachet. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, but there, there isn't a conversation about appropriating those words because, one, they're inherent to the language. Right. But they were derivatives at one point. Right. Um, is it that there's just so much distance that it's safe to use those things now? Yeah, what a great question. I mean, again, I'm by no means like an expert in any way, but I think it is just a matter of um, those words definitely have roots somewhere, but they're not roots that are like culturally, um, I don't want to say relevant. That's not the word exactly, but it's like when you think of a word that has been an English word um, that did not, that applied to one of those communities, perhaps, um, you. I mean, I think there's a difference between, like, those ancient communities that developed, that, like, over the course of the years developed the language we speak now versus, like, I'm sure there are Greek words that we would use now that could be offensive. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, and so those words don't have roots in oppression the way that, like, um, or in oppressed communities the way that, like, some of these words. I mean, the word tribe has roots in uh, Native American communities, and that mm. is a oppressed community in this country. Yeah. So, but well, I, I would love to do an episode on the evolution of language. Oh, that would be so great. 
Um, and is one of my favorite things. And the appropriateness of using language and who gets to decide that yeah. and how that's decided. Yeah. Okay. Um, we have a review that I want to do before we do the quiz so I don't forget. We and do? then we'll go to commercial. Okay, great. It's from your oh, very own Kathleen Post. I actually love the um, title of her review. What is it? It's Live, Laugh, Think, which oh, yeah. I feel like is such a compliment. Um, and says Taylor and Josh are both really funny people when it comes and it comes to very well on this podcast. I love the thoughtful commentary they bring to their listeners. They're definitely helping me live, laugh, and think through this hard year. Well done, champions. Very sweet, Kathleen. Very Thank sweet. you for taking the time to do that. We love all of our listeners. Yeah. And we do want to say if you have not yet reviewed us, what we are, are getting to the bottom of the barrel here and <laughs> we can't stop at like twenty nine five star reviews with about fifteen or 16 written reviews so please if yeah. you do that it will be the best yes please give us a review okay i'm ready for my quiz okay great i think you're gonna be really excited about this, this. Is so, by the way i love calling wenzels that's <laughs> that's probably um gonna be my favorite part of the whole episode you liked talking yeah to i got them. to talk to some scannies yeah that's fun oh, let's do that fun. more What's i know that? we, yeah, just we make said random phone calls yeah call people um okay your quiz, I think you're going to be super into it. Oh, I'm into quizzes. And it is a BuzzFeed character, a BuzzFeed quiz called Which Twilight Character Are You? Are you serious? I'm dead serious. This isn't an exercise of my knowledge. This is this is a personality discerning, um, okay. You think I'm going to be into this? Uh, yeah, I think you're going to be so into it. I better not end up Kristen Stewart or this podcast is over. What? Kristen Stewart... Yeah, okay, that seems fine. I don't think you will end up Bella Swan for the record, so that's okay. Well, I, I, I guess I'm torn between Jacob and... Um, Edward. I, I would like to be um, have um, the werewolf's body. You would, the werewolf's? But I think I would rather have Rod, Robert Pattinson's career. <laughs> okay. You know, you get that to be... That makes sense. I do wonder what happened to... Um, to who is he? Is he a Bond or he's somebody new, iconic? Batman. Batman, that's right. Yeah. And he got to be in Water for Elephants with Reese Witherspoon. Oh, did he? Yeah. Um... Yes. Also, I feel like Twilight somehow, thanks to TikTok, is making a cultural resurgence. Yeah. So um, those people all got phones and are twenty-five now. Yeah. Here we here we are. Uh, here's a question. Okay. It's a question and then a bunch of answer choices. Okay? All right. What's your stance on love? Um, it's good for about five people and me to have. Okay. These are the answer choices. My wife and kids. Love, about. love, and then it's like I don't know. Okay. Plenty of room for more, so that's not, not your me. answer. Kind of a loner. Okay. I would kill for love. Okay. I think I have been in love. Okay. Secretly, I love it. Okay. I have a lot of crushes. Okay. And I get super attached. What was the loner one? Kind of a loner. Yeah, that's me. Okay, great. Okay, what about, oh my gosh, what about blood? I tend to bleed a lot. Okay. I want it, but I'm cool. Eh? E-H. Oh, like I'm you, David. No, I think it's just like, eh, oh, like meh. a shrug. Meh. Of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Meh. It's there. Okay. Like, yum. Must fight urge. Okay. It doesn't bother me. I want it now. Or, ew, like blood blood. Okay, it's there. It's there. What in the world? Well, it's is there a I Nick Offerman not, vampire? That's what I'm going to come out as. Okay. Uh, no, there is. One of the brothers is named Emmett, and he's kind of like... Bordy macho. Oh, that would be good. People call you. Yep. So people call you. This is how people describe you. Mm-hmm. Sporty, charming, a homebody, helpful, 
mysterious, passionate, reserved, annoying, or energetic? I'm going to let you answer that one for me. I was going to say either a homebody, charming, or the last one. Energetic? Yeah. Those would probably I don't think I don't think people will call you a homebody. I really want I want to be I, I want to like be charming. I would probably say charming. I think people okay, would call you. you charming. Um, what's your favorite kind of meat? I love steaks. Um, okay. Beef. I love bacon though so much. Okay, beef and pork are both an option. Okay. So, which one? Well, it's all worth hearing all the options. Chicken? Okay. Boar? Yeah. Beef? Yep. Turkey? Yep. Pork? Yep. Deer? Ooh, venison. Humans? Uh, okay. I don't eat meat, or I don't know. I'm going to go with beef. Okay. That's great, because we're in Texas. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Um, invisible. Let's see if that's an option. No. Okay. Fly. Ex- oh, not so not. <laughs> I think you should just listen. Okay. Extreme compassion. No. <laughs> Reading minds. Ooh, handy. Magic shield, so like you can uh, put a force field. No, no, all right, okay. I'm okay. really liking reading minds. Turning into an animal. Okay. Manipulating emotions. Ooh, do that anyways. Seeing the future. Oh, yes, lottery, that one. I want it all. Seeing the future. Wait, I need more time to choose See- or not, I'm cool. Okay, seeing, seeing the, the future. future. I see. One of them is I want it all, and you don't want that one? Well, can I be invisible and see the future? I'm and like, read minds? Invisibility is not an option. I feel like if you could see the future, you wouldn't need to read minds because you could see the outcome embodied and wouldn't need to read their minds. That's true, but it's sort of Enneagram-ish, right? Because you might be like, oh, they they did that thing that got That's us to true. this outcome. That's true. Okay, I, wanna, I want to... No, I'm going to go with see the future. Okay. I will get so rich. <laughs> yeah. You would have invested in Zoom stock in January. Mm-hmm. Which one is the coolest instrument? Guitar? Didgeridoo. Cello? Cello. That's it. My three favorite instruments are bagpipes, cello, and organ. So unless those are other choices, it's cello. <laughs> bagpipes? Uh, what? My three favorite instruments are an organ, like a church organ. I love an organ. Bagpipes and the cello. Okay, so cello. No, yeah. the other ones aren't on there. Okay, cello. Fiddle is an option. What's your favorite body part? Back, hands, hair, smile, skin, abs, feet, eyes, or that's a weird question. Eyes. Okay. Lindsay has great eyes. Well. Darling Lindsay's eyes. Lindsay's champion. Darling. Where would you spend your dream honeymoon? South Africa? Um, a Norway. road trip? Norway. The Upper Peninsula of Michigan. The Upper Peninsula of Michigan? Yes. Brazil, Paris, a southern mansion, Hawaii, Italy, hunting somewhere, or I don't care. What's the northernmost latitude and location on there? Well, it's Paris. Oh, God, no. That's the worst city in America or in the world. <laughs> world yeah um hunting somewhere hunting somewhere because i could probably get like pretty north elk yeah or something uh finally what is your opinion on vampires i want to be one they're not all demonic they're monsters gross they're burdens powerful more friends yay like hot ones or wait what I think my answer to vampires, as with like Frank, is I think these are expressions of deep psychological needs. So I'm going to say, wait, what? Wait, what? Okay. You got Charlie Swan. Who's that? That is her dad. Her dad? Her dad. Well, that's kind of cliche because I'm a... It that's says, a, hey, Charlie, you're a cool dude. Just keep being your adorable, oblivious self. 
Also, your daughter is now a vampire, and your granddaughter is growing at the speed of life. Shouldn't you notice that? Mm, that's um, Lillian. Lillian is a vampire? Well, she would be the one to be in that story. Yeah. I guess Mabel has the gothic thing going on, though. Yeah. Okay, well, that was fun. I thought it was fun. I liked it. Did you? I don't think it tested my knowledge about anything, which I wanted to show off to people. <laughs> but Yeah, but now everybody knows which uh, Twilight cast member you are. Hey, can I tell you this? Yeah. Um, my niece was doing some research for her sociology S class, mm-hmm. and it was like she had five, two groups of ten words, okay. and then she had four groups of five words. Okay. And you got the 10 words and then the 10 words to look at two minutes apart. Okay. And then you had to memorize as many as you could in order. Mm-hmm. And then you got to do the same thing with the four sets of five. Okay. Two minutes to look at them. Mm-hmm. And two minutes to look at them. First of all, I was the only person to take it to get all 20. Okay. Second of all, I not only did it correctly in order and was the only one to get it, I did not need the amount of time in all of them to get the memorization done. Okay, so since we didn't test your knowledge in the quizzes today, you are just going to share with us? I'm just going to go into full three on health and let you know how great I am because you didn't extract that for people here. So I will show you. I will self-glorify. It's a very desperate moment for me, Taylor, but when provoked, I will fall all the way to the depths of this kind of self-gratitude and championing, Okay. Thank you. Okay, okay. Oh, my God. All right. Uh, we need to pause congrats, for... Congrats on um, your memorization skills, though. Well, thank you. We need to pause here for a commercial. Okay. Well, Taylor. Yeah. I have a very special edition of who is our sponsor this week. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So this Friday... UBC partnered with Arrow Child Family Ministries to have their Christmas party, and they had a table full of things that they were raffling off. And you know how that table full of things got to be there? Oh. Businesses in the Waco area donated them. And I will say this. For whatever reason in the South, they appreciate Baptist pastors enough that I get invited to these big-time galas, Uh and I just love when businesses do this, when they donate goods. So to honor them for giving to... Uh, a ministry that is near and dear to me, yeah. I would like to publicly announce their names so yeah. that they get some free advertising space in this small corner of the universe. Yes, the businesses that gave freely mm-hmm. to foster care Christmas parties were Refit, one of our sponsors, yeah. Lost in Waco, uh-huh. Third Space Theory Coffee, okay. The Waco Zoo, Waco Axe Company, Waco Cha, Pinewood Coffee, another one of our sponsors, mm-hmm. Three Spoons Yogurt, Carol Ferguson Photography, Revival? Is that Eastside Revival? What is that? Um, I think so. Dapper Bear, The Baylor Bookstore, Sandero Provisions Company, mm-hmm. and Ambry's Earrings. Also, I, love that. I would like you to know this. That Commons Grounds donated hot cocoa, and Shamika with Waffle Chick gave us a sick deal on chicken and waffles, too. Oh if you gosh. wanted to give them a shout-out. Now I'm reading Kat's text. Okay. Oh, and Bicycle World donated bikes to kids who asked for them, and Middleman donated skateboards, Middleman Ministries. That's amazing. So if you heard one of those businesses mentioned, and you need a product that they have, please consider supporting them, because when push came to shove, they gave to kids who needed something. That's amazing. That's so cool. And we're back. We are back. All right, we're here for the point of this episode, which was it was either this or a... Vaccine. Vaccine. We're going to talk about the vaccine that's coming out. We are. Um, okay, first, I the first thing I want to talk a little bit about was how do you feel like your life has been most affected during this time? 
Well, I'm at home in my house every day for the last eight months. Is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Well, it was okay. So I'll say this. We had foster kids during mm-hmm. the majority of this. Um, that was really hard, especially when there were eight of us in the house every day. Right. And I was home. I was at work for about a week and a half after everybody was home. And Lindsay, like I said, you are working from home. Yeah. Which I've actually, there's a lot of that I enjoyed. It really shifted the way I worked and mm-hmm. how I prioritized things. But um, yeah, I'm glad that everybody's in their schools now. Yeah. And working. Lindsay's more happy. I'm more happy. It's such a tricky thing, right? Because it seems like there are some risks involved. And also it seems like I just know a lot of people. And also, you know, Kathleen went back to school. She went back to social work classes and stuff like that. And I think that she, I think that structure is a really helpful thing for like just the majority of people. Especially the older you get. Yeah, I do agree. That's true. Um, and so I think a lot of people experienced. But then also there's the sort of sense of like we are living in a global pandemic and it's like people are sort of just trying to live their normal lives. And that can cause a lot of stress sometimes too. I know that, you know, for both of us, we've had family members that have gotten COVID. And mm-hmm. so then the sense of, anxiety or you know fear even about like what that what the outcome of that might be is really really stressful and then it's like so then we were just hanging in the house like really with like nothing to do for like a while so it's such a and also the sense of like I don't know if you have felt this tell me if you have but it's like so many things like when it came to the holidays you know it was like um What's the best choice to make here? Do you know what I mean? Like, do I go mm. see my grandparents? Yep. Um, so I was going to ask you the same question. I think this is you answering that question. Is that okay. right? What were you going to ask? What, oh. what ways did this hit you the hardest? Yeah, sort of. But I think that sense of, like, not having great um, leadership. Do you know what I mean? Like, it just felt like I had so many questions all the time about, like, what's the safest thing to do? And I didn't feel like anyone, it was hard to maybe trust people, trust the knowledge that existed. Or it just seemed like some people are saying one thing, some people are saying another. And I think that made it really hard to make choices. Yeah. yeah, I think that the timing of the pandemic hit this country at a time when there's an epistemic crisis. Yeah. And that complicated everything. Yeah, I agree. Um that certainly was true that it was like sort of a social and cultural we were already experiencing some social and cultural breakdown and then this happening in the middle of that was it's like um i listened to barack obama give an interview to terry gross on fresh air it's actually from the middle of november but um she asked him pretty pointed questions about president trump's um attacks on him mm-hmm. and he was very uh careful and thoughtful to say donald trump didn't invent this Right. Donald Trump exploited this. Right. And I think that's kind of the way that the, the pandemic has functioned in our, really, I mean, I think it's the manifestation of postmodernism in our culture. Yeah, certainly. Um, and when you say postmodernism, do you mean specifically like? The epistemic crisis. To boil it down to its most elementary form, there everybody has their own truth, which right. I think is a, is a trope of what postmodernism, right. postmodernism actually is. But... Um, yeah, functionally, it's the the rejection, the incredulity of the meta narrative. To quote Leotard. Yeah. Um, oh, 
know if I said that last name right, but... No. I don't know either. Seemed right to me. Um, it's not Leotard. That's an outfit that little girls wear. I can't say his name. It's like... Whatever. Uh-huh. Not American. <laughs> and, not uh, American. Not Texan. Uh-huh. We'll secede. No. There's talk. I know there's talk. Not just from us, from all the red states. Yeah. So... It is so crazy, though, when you... I digress. Well, yeah. To get us back on topic. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, okay. Uh, is Are there parts of it you feel like you've enjoyed? The pandemic? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been some self-discovery that's been good for me. Uh, I also feel that way. Um, I got my first fiction book done. Yeah. Um, that's so cool. I don't know that that would have happened outside the pandemic. Uh-huh. Um, I have asked a lot of questions about what it means to be present because it was very visible when the days would just kind of zoom past me. Yeah. Um, and that was the trajectory of my therapy work anyways. Sure. But um, that was helpful. Um, I also have discovered new but felt, I think, the richness of my living situation Yeah. in terms of my f- sister's family being next door my mom back here mm-hmm. because I it took me much longer to feel starved of social connection than I think it did most people. Because yeah. I had 13 people around me every day right. for most of this. Well, right. 15 if you include the foster kids. Right. Um, which, actually, this is a good question. I have been reflecting with my friend Brian Gamble mm-hmm. and Kareem that one of the big discoveries for me in this has been that I think I'm more introverted than I understood. Yeah. When some of the ways in which I couldn't be pastor mm-hmm. were taken from me, mm-hmm. like some of the schmarmy mask stuff yeah. on Sunday mornings. Sure. I discovered I was actually given back an energy that I didn't mind spending, but that I wouldn't choose to spend in a lot of other jobs. Yeah, right. I think that um, that's so interesting to hear because I feel a very similar thing, which I had been, I think, over the course of the past several years, been learning, um, which is that I think I am actually more introverted than I give myself credit for or that I had known throughout the course of my life because I do love people and I love being around people and this is the thing that they will really hammer home though is that that's not really the question when you're talking right about, it's where do you draw the energy right it's where do you draw your energy yeah and I certainly get it from being by myself yeah um, there are also though times where after long periods of having that I'm ready for yeah social I will say another thing that has I've discovered is I have some introvert friends who are like the loudest on social media. Yeah. And I think I've been able to wear that a little bit more. Like it requires a different energy to emote and articulate in a digital space than it does in person. Yeah, that's true. And I have connected that a little bit more. That's always interesting to me. People who are really introverted and who are very loud on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. All to say, I would bet Marty actually is like a pretty true extrovert. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think I grew up thinking I should also be an extrovert. Not that she put that on me in any capacity. Um, and so, and I do really, if I spend too much time like truly alone by myself, I can get pretty squirrely. And so I... I, I think I'm just sort of like ambiverted or whatever, closer to the middle on the scale. Or The like one time I actually took Myers-Briggs, or no, the disc, whatever you get introversion, mm-hmm. extroversion, I can't remember. 
I came out like 5149, 51 extra version. Yeah, me too. And um, I do think this could be, I think, more truly at second half of life stuff where uh-huh. I think most of us get content with a more sincere, smaller group of friends. Yeah. But it's, I think it's also natural to grow inward the older you get. Yeah. You've, you've tried enough of the drugs of relationships to discover which ones work and you yeah. sort of gravitate towards those. And also just drugs, you know? Yeah. So the... Um, <laughs> The speaking of drugs, speaking of drugs, the vaccine. The vaccine. My sister made a joke this morning. You've seen the Polar Express. The f- I have that that big line where Santa Claus says the first gift of Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a seven, so she just thinks up of comical stuff all the time. Like, well, she says, "Wouldn't it be great if in New York, before the doctor gave the first antidote, he said, here is the first vaccine <laughs> of COVID.'" That would be great. That would be great. I would love that. Um. Okay. I, I would like to talk some about the vaccine in and of itself, but also I think I, the place I would like to start, which might not be the place I would like to start, where you would like to start, is like um, when you first heard that the va- there was a vaccine that had been developed and that it was getting approved by like the FDA, mm-hmm. what was your initial reaction? Like just sort of off the top of your head, were you like, oh, that's exciting, or wow, that seems fast, or... You know, this I think maybe is a future-oriented person. I immediately thought of the logistics of vaccines mm-hmm. and thought there's still going to be a, a, a massive death yeah. this winter yeah. and B, um, there's going to be a lot of people for whom the solution comes to this through just a hard earned herd immunity. Yeah. So for example, yeah. um, Pfizer and whoever the other company is best estimates are they can produce a hundred thousand vaccines by the end of December okay. together. Right. So no, uh, 200 then total. So is this the uh, Pfizer. Pfizer and then the German company, yeah. the biotech? Yeah, um, I don't remember. But 200,000 people are getting infected a day right now. Yeah. So by the end of December, we will have 100,000 vaccines. 200,000 people are getting infected a day. Yeah. So um, we're a long ways off from this having a, like, a real substantial impact. I also think, and this is where a statistici- statistician will be, given how innocuous the the symptoms and the, the virus can be in some people, mm-hmm. I just think way more people actually have it than we know, yeah. which is not at all an argument for not doing something. I'm just, no, no. I'm thinking eh, it's this, we will win this war eventually through a costly herd immunity that's done through bodies doing what they do, but also the virus right. or the vaccine. Well, and that didn't have to be the way that this played out in our, no, in our country, but it was the it is the way that it will probably. But by out. the end of July, that was my conclusion: is yeah. we're just not going to do this the smart way, right? And it seems that we didn't, right? It's like there at this point, there's multiple countries declaring that they're like zero cases of COVID in their country, and I do wonder if some of it. The most of the countries I've seen are New Zealand and like sort of southern hemisphere countries, mm. and so it's like I wonder if it's because they still. You know, a lot of the major spread in winter months is coming from people yeah. resorting to being inside together because you can't be outside as much. And so I wonder if that is... Well, I have two comments about that, though. And this is not in defense of the Trump administration at all. Okay. Um, but I do think that um, countries with larger populations obviously have a much harder time with this than countries yeah. with... What manage- is Australia's population? I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure. You can Google that real quick. I know quick. New Zealand is small, but... Yeah. Um, I would also say that um, 
I think the the way we have structured our lives logistically through the marketplace and everything else also made um, just some of these things really hard for us in the first place. Mm. Like we don't go to the market to get our meat for the week and, you know, from the butcher who grew the meat in our backyard, right? right? We go to the store, which got the meat from Texas maybe, but it was shipped to Illinois to be processed and then came back and it Mm. passed. You know, that's just our meat. Like thousands upon thousands of products that we're all used to buying from a marketplace. Right. A mass marketplace. Yeah. It was just a slim chance that we were going to have the kind of lifestyle that was conducive to isolating the... Yeah. So. Well, but, I mean, yeah. Not to say it couldn't have been done. Australia is 25 million. I don't know. So that's probably about 7% of our population. Really? Yeah. We're 330 plus million. That is crazy. We're like the fourth or fifth biggest country in the world, I think, after like China and India and a few others. I'm that statistic I'm making up. We are about three hundred and thirty million people. Right. But I know we're one of the bigger countries. Um, I just didn't realize. I feel like Australia is gigantic. And the other thing is, and it's it's yeah, like the middle of the country is empty. Right. That's Sydney and Melbourne and the outlying areas. And have you ever been to Australia? No. I would love to go. Yeah. Uh, we should figure out a way to Here's go. a weird plug for Australia. Okay. Matthew McConaughey, an armchair expert, uh-huh. talks about, and this is in his memoir he just released, but also going to Australia as an exchange student has hilarious stories. Oh, really? Yeah, about just being with the most awkward, crazy family. Wow. I'll have to read that. Yeah, or listen to that episode. Oh, yeah. That's very funny. Okay. And he's great. Well, we should try to find a way to uh, have him on, on set up a mission partnership in Australia. Oh, yeah. yeah. Should... I thought you were trying to have Matthew McConaughey on the podcast. Oh, also that. Both of those things. See if we can get him after Lin-Manuel Miranda. Um, we got to keep trying. Oh, my gosh. Um, okay. Okay, here's something. I'll, let me ask you this because this came up earlier okay. with the meat thing. Okay. First of all, I just kind of was doing Science 101 today. Mm-hmm. What's the difference between bacteria and a virus? Does a virus replicate itself in your body and bacteria doesn't? Um, what a great question. I don't know. Um, I also know that like as an outdoorsy person, I get these commercials for these straws that you can drink. That it filters the water. Yeah. Like, like people drink out of toilets as an example. And the thought is it can filter bacteria. And then my first question is, well, great, but what about viruses? And they say, well, we can't filter the viruses because they're much smaller, but they seem not to think that those are in the water. So is it that bacteria can live in hosts that aren't biological but are organic, like waste? Well, I just Google. I did a quick Google. Yeah, what do we got? And it says, bacteria are single-celled living organisms. They have a cell wall and all the components necessary to survive and reproduce. All oh, this. they do reproduce. Yeah. Some may derive energy from other sources. Viruses are not considered to be living because they require a host cell to survive long-term for energy. Oh, okay. Reproduce. So that's why I guess it couldn't survive in in water yeah most likely most viruses don't survive in water because they need a host well probably then with the straw if you were going to you could get a virus but it would have to be living in a bacteria which you're not getting because the bacteria is bigger it's being filtered out yeah exactly yeah okay the other thing i was thinking about is um like i just assume with bacteria and viruses that like they're in your body and then they're viral they spread right that's what virus is right um but when we were on a trip it was actually the our spring break trip, which is like the last one we did before COVID hit, uh-huh. we stopped at um, Pan Express. Okay. And I don't mean to dog them, but the kids all got noodles and Lindsay and I got rice and all the kids were throwing up that night. Yeah. And the amount of times they threw up corresponded to the amount of 
noodles they ate. Mm-hmm. And Lindsay said it's because they have less of the bacteria. And in my head, I'm like, it doesn't matter. Like the bacteria is in your body that it's in your body. But she's like, no, your body can expunge it. Expunge it. Yeah, expel it faster the less you have, which I didn't know that. I thought it was just in there, it's in there. I do think, so It's from this, it seems true that it's like bacteria is a living organism. So it is like, it will make you sick, but it's still its own thing when it's inside your body. So if you expel it, then it's like... Out of your body. It is out of your body. Or your body kills it. Or yeah, or your body kills it. Whereas like a virus is like once it's in your body, it's depending on you as a host. Uh-huh. So it starts replicating, I guess. Okay, but then here was another question I had. Okay. So I occasionally will preach numbers, whatever it is, where there's the venom text, the snakes come out and bite the children of Israel. Uh-huh. And then there's the John 3 text where Jesus is... Yeah, Jesus is held up. So too is the Son of Man is held up, uh-huh. like the serpent was held up in the wilderness, because that's how they get. So I was looking about for that sermon how antivenom is made, uh-huh. and it's weird. It's because like animals can develop antibodies better than we can to venom. So we'll inject weak doses into them, and then we'll extract those antibodies, and then extract put them in our bodies, and you know explain about what happens to cells in that process. Right. But like, why couldn't that same kind of thing be done with viruses? Because isn't it viruses? Um, it's antibodies that kill the virus, right? Uh-huh. And, um... Well, but I think it is. I mean, like, that's that's what a, a vaccine is, like, small doses of the virus. Well, this is my point, then. And then I looked up the vaccine thing. Yeah. And it was the same thing. It's like, um, extract a weak form of the virus, which that didn't make sense to me, because if things alive, it's alive. What's a weak version of it, you know? <clears throat> yeah. Or, like, they said, like, sometimes they can genetically replicate the signature of the virus or whatever, uh-huh. that makes sense to me because it's not a real one, but it still would teach the cells right. in your body how to fight it. How to fight it. But, so I'm like, wait a minute. Like, uh, weak things recover, and then they get full-blown. Like, Well, that's why, that is why taking a vaccine sometimes is dangerous. There are people who, and why I think people have, some people have concerns, is because there are cases in which, I mean, you know, it's like, I don't think that's happened with, like, a polio vaccine in, like, years because... It is, at this point, it's a vaccine that has been perfected over the course of a large number of years. But um, every time you take a vaccine, you are taking a chance that, like, um, it will go inside your body and your body, like, that it will turn into a full-blown version of whatever the disease is. Hmm. Well, there you go. You didn't know that? No. Yeah. Um, It's not... It's like very unlikely. It does not happen often, but it is like a, because it is you are injecting the virus, a weakened form of it, or you know the signature of the virus or whatever into yourself. You can be you can be infected, but it's like doctors will say the likelihood of that happening is very 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 small. So here's a different question now. Okay, this is so. So we get flu shots every year. Because flus evolve and change, right? right. Mm-hmm. So presumably the same thing's going to happen with COVID. Yes, I have heard at this point there are differing strains of COVID. And like we, um, they say, they talk about how long immunity will last for COVID. Right. So my question is, are we ever really going to be at this place where we have herd immunity then? I mean, I think that's a really great question. I don't know the answer, but I think that... Um, you know, it's sort of like, I don't know what to compare it to. Like, is it better to compare it to, like, um, smallpox and say that, like, well, most of it's gone. Yeah, I guess if enough up. people beat it in a three-month period, yeah, it would just like more likely die because it didn't have any hosts that would work. Right. 
Or is it more like the flu, which is like, can we get vaccines to a place where like um, some people are still getting it, but very infrequently and the vaccination at least helps you fight it off most of the way or something like that. And I don't, I don't have, obviously I'm not like a medical professional, so I don't have the answer for which one of those it'll be like. That to me is a big question mark with this vaccine is like, what are we looking at? Are we looking at like, this is like a flu vaccine that you might have to take every year? Or are we looking at like, this is like a smallpox vaccine and it's like you never, once you get it, you don't have oh, to Oh, I think it. it's much more flu from what I've heard. Really? Yeah, three months they said. Oh, wow. Yeah, for, I mean, they don't know with f- f- definitive. Yeah. But anyhow, well. But it's like, I think all those diseases, like smallpox, smallpox cholera, um, what was the other one we were talking about? Polio. Like, they used to be, they used to run rampant. People used to die from them all the time, and it was just kind of like, well, that's the thing that happens. Very sad, but here, you know, here it is. And now it's like, if someone dies from cholera, that's like a tragedy. I mean, I don't think, I don't think cholera even exists in the world anymore, really. Surely somewhere. Um, maybe. I don't know. Um, I don't know. So, I don't really know. Um... Uh. What were you going to say? Well, I'm ready to turn the corner, but we don't have to yet if you're still going. No, I was going to. Okay, you turn your corner and then I'll see. Well, I was just going to ask. So, we're looking right at this going out. I mean, I think now, I think somebody got it today. Yep. The vaccine. New York. And it's two rounds, right? Mm -hmm. Like a month apart. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, but also, as you've stated, um, and I've seen in the news, like, we don't have, as you said, it's like 100,000 in this month or by the end of December and so have you seen any theorizing on like how long it might take for everybody who will take it to get it no and that's what I'm saying at this point I still think it's going to be the hard one herd immunity that actually is the thing not the vaccine Mm. Um, because the other thing I've been listening to is there's a really interesting Planet Money episode on the vaccine just on the logistics of it Mm -hmm. and like for example and this is stupid because we would never distribute it this way Mm -hmm. but like with an obnoxious kind of weight distribution payload whatever that term is on an airplane Mm -hmm. like something like way more tons than they can really carry it would take eight thousand cargo planes to distribute all the vaccines to the world Um, because you're looking at six billion right to achieve herd immunity we have seven point some billion on the planet you need at least six billion and um there are only like two thousand of those cargo planes in the world Oh. For every country, like not working together, There's two thousand, and it would require eight thousand, and that's if you were shipping them all at once. And like, obviously, some places need smaller amounts of them, right? Because right. they're smaller countries. But um, so there is a real logistics problem. There's also like part of the episode was on dry ice and the demand for it because of the super cool nature of the vaccines oh, that right. need to be there, mm-hmm. and how like the guys like in Miami is like, I just don't think we're gonna be able to produce the amount of dry ice they need. Wow. to distribute this the way they want to. Mm-hmm. And so uh, there's also all of those things. Right, all the sort of... Um... There's the people who make the vials mm-hmm. who are like, look, we have this huge demand all of a sudden, but you got to remember we're still making vials for much-needed cancer drugs all over the world right. and all these other things that require them. So there, there's a challenge there. I mean, if you're really serious about this, you almost need the wartime kind of restructuring yeah. of companies right. for this purpose. Yeah, which has been said about um, ventilators previously. That right, yeah. And you know, I mean, y- you can hate capitalism, but allegedly this is the sort of the thing that the marketplace will fix. With there's always people that want to make money, and if they can restructure and do it in a way that's economically viable, they'll do it. Freedom of the marketplace. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I have. I had another question, but I want, did you have another question? Well, I was just going to ask you about the um, kind of your own approach to the vaccine. I don't think that. I think the chances of me getting COVID are way higher than me having a vaccine by the time it's ready for me. You think so? Oh yeah, infinitely higher. What are you imagining as far as like? Because I've heard timelines that say like by July everybody will have it. Are you imagining that's the case or no? I don't think it's gonna be that quick. They're saying, you know, obviously older folks, healthcare workers, which mm-hmm. is great. They're not even doing children at this point, and not just because children seem immune, but because it hasn't been tested on children at all. Yeah. And some other things. Oh, right. So yeah, that's what I saw. It hasn't been tested on people under uh, children under the age of eighteen. So right. It's like, it's not actually safe because we don't know what the repercussions of it would be. Right. Um, okay, so what was your question, though? What like, will... if, if given the chance to take the vaccine, obviously, you'll do it? Yeah, I think I ha- I think it was just a culturally responsible thing to do. Um, and so, I think I will do it. I mean, I'm so, I have decided for myself that I would take it. An interesting pocket of conversation that I have seen um, is a lot of people, black Americans, who have said, like, there is a history in this country of, like, the country performing medical experiments on black people. And so I do not feel comfortable taking the vaccine. Hmm. And that is, uh, that's been so interesting to me because there's another strand of conversation that's like, they're going to chip us or whatever. And it's like, okay, well, I open my phone with my face. So um, they yeah. already have everything <laughs> they need, you know? Yeah, ruining my life with the data they have on me is not going to be hard <laughs> if they're interested. Yeah. And so, um, uh, so that is not very compelling to me, but the idea that like there are black people in this country who are like, um, you know, historically this country has yeah. performed medical experiments. Yeah, my like, lack of apprehension is probably a sign of my privilege, huh? Yeah, yeah. So, but I, I think I would take it, or I have, like I said, I've decided I would take it because it feels like the culturally and socially responsible thing to do. Um, but I still feel, it still feels to me like a big question mark as far as like when... Uh, when will it be available to me as like a you know pretty healthy adult person? So um, I, I do think that one function of the vaccine to like use an economics term an unintended positive consequence mm-hmm. will be the emotional thing this does for people. Yeah, a sign of hope. Yeah, I think that's probably one of the actually big upticks of this right now is imagining a end of the tunnel. I do think it's provided some of that for me that like for so long because of like I was saying this sort of mixed understanding of what was going on and what was the safest choice to make and um, you know sort of the, the especially like white evangelical backlash of like wearing a mask is me giving away my like God given freedom or something like that that has been um, kind of stressful just the idea that that's no longer a conversation piece that there is a day in the future in which this isn't a thing where we're so worried about all the time that we can't um just sort of proceed does provide sort of a light at the end of the tunnel for me as far as just thinking like this will be over one day because i think we i had felt anyways like we'd wandered into a very what's the word i'm looking for uh sort of nebulous sense of like is this ever going to be over so um can i turn the discussion a different way yeah 
So I don't mean to make anybody mad at the end. Okay. But I am committed to constantly trying to understand not just Donald Trump, but presumably 70 million people that voted for him. Sure. So I was listening to... 73, I think. Um, yeah, I kind of quit after. It was <laughs> obvious that Biden won the election for the sixth time. Yeah. Um, but so that I was listening to that same daily episode, and there the guy was talking about Donald Trump getting the virus, and you know the, the it was in this larger discussion of his sort of um, cavalier attitude towards the virus. Right. And he made the point that he gave it to his wife, he gave it to his kids, several of his kids, and I just had this moment where I thought, huh. Like he, um, he gave it to, you know, he gave it to his kids. I don't think he did it on purpose, but he certainly did not exercise caution and presumably they got it from him. I can't prove that. Right. But I did think, you know, that would be like my best argument for why somebody should care about this. Meaning like if you want to get to the heart of things for me, mm-hmm. start talking about my kid's safety. Yeah. Like you're not going to find a more deeper reason to Compelling. motivate, yes, to right. do something. And so what I took away from that, they're like, you know what? There are just people who fundamentally see the world in such a different way than I do. Yeah. That there's some kind of algebra in his head, in their head, where it's like, yes, this could be a piece of the puzzle. I'm going to rationalize the behavior this way. Does it make sense? Um. Something in his head. Like, I'm sure he didn't think, oh, I'm going to give this to my kids and they're going to die. Right, no. But he thought they could get it, but they're young, they'll be fine, I was fine. And I just was thinking, oh, you know what, like, just another moment and, like, I need to work so hard to understand this difference in how we perceive the world. Right. Yeah. Yes, that does make sense to me because it's, like, we... So when I had come in contact, like, with people and with... um, like when Kathleen got it, we had no clue where she got it from. And me and her have essentially been together almost 24 hours a day since March, you know, 13th or whatever. Um, so I assumed that I also had it, which I ended up not being the case. But I had been at the church on yeah. Sunday morning. And so I, I called you. I think I texted everyone else. And I thought, if I have given it to be... And it's really the thing that, like, thinking about UBC... And thinking, like, if we met in person and then somebody on Wednesday called and said, the only place I've been is church and I have COVID, and then they got really sick and they died, like, I could not emotionally recover Hmm. from that. Um, And then, like, thinking, so, and then in that moment, thinking, if I had given it to any of you and you guys got very ill, or if I had given it to you and then one of your kids got it, Hmm. like... I couldn't move on from that. I would be so devastated. And yeah, it seems to just be a difference in personality. And I don't know if he thought, if it just like for him, he was like, well, people get it and most everybody lives. And so um, he is unbothered by that small percentage for whatever reason. Whereas like I am very bothered by the Hmm. possibility of that happening. I don't know what that is. It's interesting to think about. I do think some of it is Enneagram personality, aggressive number, even though I just kind of stated not understanding him. Yeah. Lindsay very much has articulated what you have Mm -hmm. about the worst part of it is not having it. It's knowing that you could have potentially gotten other people sick. Mm -hmm. 
if for me, I think the feeling of I feel bad about this only happens if I give it to somebody who's really vulnerable and it's like life or death. Yeah. And or if I did it knowing I gave it to somebody. But the way my oh, personality wow. yeah, works is like if I didn't know I had it, I'm like, I didn't try to do that. And it's very easy for me to let myself off the hook. Well, this is very interesting because it's the same difference in me and Kathleen. Like, I yeah. told you the other day, I my dog, I accidentally, she was, her foot was swollen and it was because of something I did. And I was truly sobbing and like, they're going to have to cut her foot off yeah. and it is going to be my fault. And Kathleen was immediately like, no, it is not your fault. And it was like. So I do think that's maybe an aggressive number thing. Yeah. I, in fact, I was thinking today about this and thought if I applied for a new job and they asked me for weaknesses, I would have to say empathy. <laughs> um, like really, yeah. like it's not easy for me. Yeah. And I think it's, that's why it's always for me, it's about intent. I think the flip side of that is forgiveness is easier for me to too. Yeah. If I can establish you didn't intend to do something, uh-huh. I can tolerate a lot because it's like you didn't try to do it. I understand that yeah. those things happen. Yeah. Yeah. So, I do think that it's interesting because I don't think of forgiveness as hard for me. I can also forgive pretty easily, but this is the thing we've talked about. That emotion lives inside of me. Like it's like yeah. I have to keep, it's like a mental choice to forgive someone and I can get there pretty easily. But especially with like if it was an unintended situation, but it's like then I have to remind myself that that emotion that's like living in my stomach is like not it's just what I'm feeling and it's not real. Do you hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so. That is fascinating. It is. So, but I mean, you know, we talked about this. I would bet Donald Trump is a aggressive number. Oh, he's um, either three or an eight. And we won't bring this back up. No. But we know he's one of those. One of those. Right. Probably not a seven. <laughs> and, uh, and so... Yeah, so I'd imagine that that's the thing too, is that he's just mo- like he's kind of like, well, I didn't mean to give it to them. Well, Taylor, yeah. it's a buck twenty-five. Okay. And oh, I'll... I have one more question before we wrap up. Is okay. That okay. Yeah, I do need to go pick up Wendell, but yes. okay. Well, I think it's a quick question. Okay. Um, in thinking about the future and in thinking about the ways our society has changed because of this, so even you know, if we are living in a world where that vaccine actually works one hundred percent. And in seven or eight months, um, nobody has COVID. It's not even a thing that exists in the world, which okay. is, as we know, not really a possibility. I like but, these questions, though. Hypothetical. Okay. Um, what are the ways in which you think our society has changed? That, like, just because nobody has it anymore and nobody is, like, everybody has the vaccine, what do you think are going to be the holdovers of this time? I'm going to give you a very aggressive number answer, which is it's like about business and thing. I think buildings and so many things are going to become obsolete. Yeah. People have discovered we don't need to be in the same space to work. Yeah. I read an article yesterday about um, major, few major businesses in Silicon Valley, including what's um what's his name, Rocket Man. Elton John? Uh, not, that's what, well, I was thinking El, uh, Elon Musk. Elon Musk. Yeah. Elon Musk. Uh, he has moved to Texas, he announced. Yeah, and they're moving everything there, everything to Texas now, to Austin. So it was another big one, huge one. Yeah. They're all coming out of Silicon Valley. Yeah. And they have also said that a policy changes that people don't need to come back to work after the pandemic's over. Really? Well, in a lot of these major tech companies. Now, granted, it depends on the work you do. Right. But I think that 
it's going to be just a thing of the past in terms of people's initial imagination about a business. Yeah, and what it takes to put a business together. It's like you don't necessarily have to have a big giant headquarters. Yeah, and I talked a little bit with Brett and Emily Mills about this on their podcast, and mm-hmm. I said it's like sawing off the branch I'm sitting on, but I think people are going to make the same discovery about church and faith. I have wondered when we come back together, like... But you know what I think is true? I really do. Is that I think that there is something about Christianity that calls us to physical presence. Yeah, and it's pendulums, right? They swing. Sure, of course. Um, But I think people are discovering something healthy. I've also just thought, let's take ourselves out of the pandemic. We're not far from being in a post-Christendom culture anyways. No. And so that's like... Right now, I think we're... Maybe two generations. Yeah, at I was gonna most, say at most Gen Z. Yeah, maybe maybe one generation. Yeah, so there's that. Um, I will say that in the middle of our conversation, I got a text from Margot Shanks saying she loved my Johnny Rose impression. <gasps> oh my gosh! So thank you, Margot Shanks, for listening and for Margot. Also, I miss you very desperately. You're so great, yeah. and your kids are so great, and I miss them too. Okay, thanks for tuning in. Okay, bye, you guys. <laughs>